Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent, and I'm here today with TJ. Yo. And David. Hello. And, uh, yeah, sans Chris today. No Chris. Uh, the uh, three of us are going to be discussing David's homework assignment from a couple of weeks ago, The Long Goodbye. The Long Goodbye. I was goodbye. so enamored with the uh, upcoming draft that I totally forgot we were going to talk about this movie. Yeah, and uh, as TJ just uh, spoiled for you, the uh, we're, we're going to have this little draft after uh, after talking about it. We're going to draft detective teams to solve some mystery. The mystery being who can draft the best detective team. <laughs> or who kidnapped Chris. We know the answer. I figured it out. Oh, yeah. And the team is us. Yay. <laughs> no, uh... So, uh... David, do you want to start off with uh, a little, little plot synopsis and uh, and your opening thoughts on The Long Goodbye? Sure. Long Goodbye, 1973-ish. Uh, Robert Altman movie. Uh, it's kind of a modern take on the detective story, even as a modern take on an de- old detective character. Um, Elliot Gould plays Philip Marlowe, and uh, he's in, it's in California, right? Um, Hollywood starts off where his buddy Terry Lennox comes to him said he kind of had a fight with his wife he needs to go on the lam ask him to drive him to Tijuana from there uh, Marlo gets taken in for questioning ask gets asked where uh, where Terry Lennox is and he kind of uh, um, stalls the detectives and they kind of push him around um, after that, he kind of starts to get involved in a mystery about, uh, come to find out that Terry Lennox's wife has actually been murdered. Um, and he gets drawn into the world of the, uh, the Wades. There's, uh, he gets friendly with the wife, I forget her name, Eileen, uh, Eileen Wade, and he is a kind of a trophy wife for a writer, alcoholic extraordinaire, uh, wrote Hemingway vibes. I was gonna say, do you think he was based on Ernest Hemingway at all? <laughs> <laughs> Hemingway vibes, yeah, for Roger Wade, played by Sterling Hayden, and um, these are neighbors of the Lennoxes, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, after that, he kind of also gets drawn up in the world of Doctor Veringer, who runs this kind of like uh, I don't know this clinic for people with issues that uh, Roger Wade is a part of, and. Kind of not a ton happens that much. He's kind of comes over and like drinks coffee and smokes cigarettes and has beverages with people. And uh, I guess spoiler alert: you eventually find out that I actually forgot what happened. Who killed? Uh, <laughs> who killed? Uh, I keep wanting to say Annie Lennox. That's not Annie Lennox. <laughs> so yeah, Terry. You found out that Terry killed his wife and uh, yeah disappeared. Right. So that he could run off with Eileen. Yep. He was like, come on, Eileen. Let's go to Mexico <laughs> and live together. Yeah, he goes to Mexico and the Mexican authorities say that uh, Terry committed suicide, but he's not really buying it. And uh, Roger Wade uh, kills himself. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, probably would have anyway. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know. Eileen kind of uh, goes down to Tijuana to be with Terry. Find out he didn't actually commit suicide, and Marlo's just kind of pissed at him. And uh, in the end, shoots his friend Terry. 
for reasons. Well, yeah. He's just <laughs> upset that he had to spend three nights in jail, I think. That's yeah. literally the only reason he cares. Yeah, it's... Uh... Well, you left out an entire plot point, which doesn't need to be in the movie at all, which is the gangsters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so irrelevant. It's, it's always in this kind of noir thing, though. Yeah. Um, so, there's also a missing $300,000. It was stole by, uh, was it uh, Nicky Augustine? Yeah. Someone, Henry Augustine? Harry Augustine? You can tell I prepared extensively for this. <laughs> Marty Augustine. And he's kind of a, uh, yeah, like a mobbed up heavy kind of guy. Um, has a, like a rainbow assortment of henchmen of yeah. all different backgrounds, <laughs> including Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger, yeah. Early Schwarzenegger. That's his silent German bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a weird gangster, too, who just, like, beats his plaything to prove that he'll beat people up instead of just beating the people up that he wants to prove that to. yeah i yeah. just maimed her and i love her i don't even like you yeah very uh okay shocking bit of violence for violence sake or just for flavor of the world that marlo's in honestly well, I, I got up and did some chores every time the gangsters came on screen i realized quickly that they weren't weren't relevant to the story yeah yeah you mentioned how that's a, a staple of noir, but it's also, I feel like, a staple of Robert Altman, which is just, uh, Kinda. Yeah. here's a new thread to the story. We're not really going to do a lot with it. It's, it's just going to be here. It'll, it'll resolve itself. Don't worry about it. Or not. Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, we're kind of breezing and making fun of the plot. It's really, you know, the point of it is, it's kind of like a mood piece. It's kind of like a vibe, more than it is a, you know, driving story with momentum. So, we'll start from there. What did you guys think of the, the vibe of the, the Long Goodbye? I, I enjoyed the aspect of, like, down on his luck, honest man. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like a fuck up. But he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. And I think they set that up well. I really enjoyed, actually, all the shit with the cat in the beginning. Yeah. The beginning is, is one of the best scenes in the movie for me. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, it was... I think, like, his interaction with the hippie girls, the neighbors, mm-hmm. set, puts it, you know, all out there that he is a, he's a really good dude. He's just, like, he buys a brownie mix, he says goodnight, don't want to hang out with these, like, super hot naked girls just dancing on their porch. Mm-hmm. So, and his cat likes a certain brand of cat food, Curry's brand. So he drives out at three in the morning to find cat yeah. food for the cat. Wants just to make a, the cat happy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, and he's kind of a time out, or a, a character out of place with the times, which was pretty common start of the seventies, like this kind of story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of the the movie is it's kind of amiable enough. It's real real shaggy dog kind of tale. Um, I do think Marlowe's a pretty interesting take on that character. I like Gould as that version of Marlowe. It's fun. Yep. He's very, very mumbly and very, uh, you know, kind of um, countercultural for a lot of, like, the, the cops. And he, he's cynical, but he's also a good guy. It's kind of an interesting uh, interesting mix. Yeah. He's, uh, I guess for y'all that don't know, he was uh, created for The Big Sleep, right? Mm-hmm. That character was. So, that was, uh, Humphrey Bogart played him about, what, 30 years earlier? 35 years earlier? It was only, uh... Less than 20 years earlier. Oh, really? It was 46, I believe, and this is 73. Nope. 
25 years. Yeah, 25 years. <laughs> the same, Matthew Math. I ain't worried. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's like 43 to 73, so that's like, like 3,000 years. <laughs> Think, how many eons is that? Alfred <laughs> Bogart is a god. But, uh, what about you, Brent? Uh, as for the, the mood of it? Yeah, kind of the... So, I weirdly did not like the opening of the movie. Uh. I, I don't know. Some of the dialogue just was, was strange and, and off-putting to me. But I came around to actually kind of like the movie mm. by the end. I, I liked his man-out-of-his-time sort of uh, situation where he just... He's always wearing... He just wears the same suit. He smokes cigarettes all the time. He's a... He's clearly like... You know how, like, we have Sherlock Holmes today and it's like an updated Sherlock. This is, like, not an updated Philip Marlowe, I feel like, in many ways. Mm. It's, it's just like... like out of the 1940s. It's the, it's the yeah. Philip Marlowe if he woke up in the 70s with a bunch of hippie girls next door who danced around naked all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, how would he deal with that? And uh, he would just be sort of... I think it explains internal monologues so much better than in most Nora movies because mm. he's just like he can't connect with anyone else, so he'll just talk to himself the whole yeah. movie. Yep. And I, uh, you I say like that. that. You say that it's funny because that was, you know, I was going back to that first scene and thinking about it after the movie was over last night, and I was like, oh yeah, he kind of beat us over the head with that. What if he just woke up in the nineteen seventies because he literally just wakes up at the beginning of the movie, yeah, three huh. in the morning. But yeah, I liked it. I thought it was. Uh, I thought the, the, the mood and, and that aspect of it was, it worked pretty well. Which yeah. Is, That's a fun point, too, because, like, not only is he transported to, like, the 70s, it's 70s in Hollywood. Yeah. It's, like, the, the worst most, part of the 70s. Yeah, right. The, the most 70s. <laughs> yeah. Maximum 70s. The girls I, were funny, though. I laughed out loud at them a couple of times. I laughed out loud at his final interaction with them, too. It was like, my cat ran away. If you see him, you know, like, give him some milk or something. And they're all just, like, Tripping their balls off, they're in their <laughs> he walks away. And he's like, "Y'all aren't listening. Y'all aren't even here." <laughs> yeah. Pretty perceptive. <laughs> yeah, hell of a detective. <laughs> yeah. Oh, y'all are on acid. That's why you're drawing squares <laughs> in the air. I did like in the beginning too. Did they uh, John Williams wrote that long goodbye song and did the the music for the movie, which is crazy. That song, man. Like, the first three versions, I feel like they're like, it's like bad karaoke night, a couple of those. So, the long goodbye. Was that, uh... The little lady from Poltergeist? I meant I to look so. to see The him. guy who was <laughs> Garfield? <laughs> sounded like him. Was his name, uh... Red, uh Leon Redbone? No. Oh. That's what I thought. Uh, what's the guy's name? It's Garfield. His last name's no. like, like music. Lorenzo Music or something? Lorenzo Music? I think that's his name. <laughs> I really hope. But what I did like is, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a wonky song, but in the beginning I like how it's almost, you know, what they say, diegetic. It's just music in the scene, about it's different versions of the scene. It's like Muzak in the supermarket. There's like the version he listens to. It's on the radio. And there's like a like the Latin version of it. Do you think that's that plays into the man out of his time aspect where it's just he wakes up in the seventies and just all the all the songs sound the same? Maybe. They're yeah. just like different styles of the same thing. 
Um, There's eight versions of the long goodbye in the film. Well, the voice of Garfield was Lorenzo Music. <laughs> but he is not in the soundtrack. No. There's John Williams, Claude King, Dave Grusin, Jack Sheldon, Irene Crowell. So Clyde King is a... She did the opening, I think, female vocals, and then Jack Sheldon did uh, the male vocals at the beginning. Okay. And then there's another set of female vocals from Irene Crawl. Yeah. Crawl. Crawl. But yeah, that's a... yeah, I actually wasn't sure if the if the sound if the so, uh, soundtrack or song would start to annoy me after a while, but I don't know. It kind of worked. I like how it just at a point it just became a joke. Like it was just yeah. mm-hmm. every new scene, there'd be different people listening to the same song. Yep. So um, that's Marlowe. What do you guys think of? There's another performance that he that uh, he really makes a decision on is Sterling Hayden's for Roger Wade. What'd you guys think of that? Where do you land on his uh, performance? Again, I don't... Like, I, I get that, right? It's there to be like the red herring for Marla. Hmm. Like the... This guy was in the middle hospital. He's like, nah, I can't figure out if he was there. Right? That's what happens. He was hmm. in like an alcoholic rehab or whatever. And that and was his alibi. Yeah, and also you know the woman was beaten to death and he's just this like grizzly bear of a human. Who's an alcoholic. Who's an alcoholic. Out of control a lot. Right. So, I don't know. It just never seemed like there was any doubt in my mind that it wasn't him. Oh yeah, me neither. But I still, I, I had a pretty good time with his performance. I thought it was, yeah, it I mean, was a wild performance. I guess it's, it is it is a wild performance. It's hard for me to... Sorry, it's hard for me to separate the performance. Oh, yeah, the, I feel like the his point being in the movie. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he was fine. It, it was a little... The performance for me was a little uneven. I feel like it was a little... Uh, verged on overacting when he is... Like, playing... I guess when he's drunk. When he's, like, at the party mm-hmm. and he's... Anytime he starts waving the cane around mm-hmm. uh, and stumbling, his stumbling seemed very uh, seemed very deliberate. And uh, but in his more subtle scenes, I actually really liked it. Yeah, uh, IMDb trivia thing was that Sterling Hayden really was drunk and stoned <laughs> for like the entire performance, and Robert Altman loved his energy during that. <laughs> Said he didn't really know the script or do much of the script. But that Elliot Gould would just like improvise with him, and Robert Altman would just like capture that, and you can definitely feel that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a little like uh, it's not unhinged performance, but it is like almost I don't know uncontained. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It's well, just like yeah. spilling out. Robert Altman, I feel like, did a little bit of that too. Probably yeah. <laughs> just like I'm gonna film this now without any. There's the inexplicable dogs banging at the end. Yeah. And it zooms in, in on them. In it's Mexico. like, well, I know you didn't plan that. So you just saw some dogs bang and you are like, zoom in. Your DP just like zooms in. It's right, like, right is, that, bef- is that good? It's like, right that before is good. the climax where a guy shoots another. There's not even any like symbolism. It's just like dogs banging. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Mexico. Anything good. Yeah. <laughs> dogs have sex here. <laughs> <laughs> right in front of other dogs. <laughs> Crazy. We call them peros. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Mexican style. Amores Paris. 
Um, did you guys have a hard time figuring out why Philip shot him specifically? Took a like a long Called trip. Called him a loser. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. I think he was just he, he was really upset. He had to spend those three nights in jail. Yeah, this movie is just about like being irritated and then being more irritated that you can't figure out who irritated you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that is, I'm annoyed. I don't know why. That is, Somebody's gonna die. So that's the whole point of this mystery is Philip Marlowe trying to figure out who annoyed him. I mean, I guess that that's. The gangster thing makes it a little more reasonable that he would kill somebody. It's like, hey man, I was gonna die. Yeah, just no regard for for Philip, and he like, was like a friend. Yeah, he he talked about him fondly and didn't rat him out to the cops or whatever. I don't know. For me, it kind of comes out of nowhere because you see him as passive and like a good guy, and he doesn't hurt anybody up until that final scene. You don't even know he really has a gun at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no Chekhov's gun. It's like I did definitely roll my eyes too, and uh, I even lost my cat. And there's no pause. <laughs> I even lost my cat. Bang! <laughs> now you're dead. Don't call me a loser. I think in the book, I'll shoot you in the face. Like this is actually based on a Raymond Chandler book of the same name. Yeah, I think Terry ends up killing himself. He does. Yeah, and, and uh, what's his name is murdered in the book. Hemingway. Yeah. By his Roger, wife. Roger Williams. It's staged, yeah. They make an, a, a bunch of changes. Um, the gangsters aren't in the book at all. I think the... <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. For I don't know. For me, maybe the... The whole movie is about him. If you think of it like he wakes up in the 70s and he's trying to piece like... So like figure out his place in this culture. I feel like the end, him shooting him is just like... Nah. <laughs> like it's, it's just rejection of 70s yeah. mindsets and whatnot. Because he he's so nice to those girls until the end. Until the end. And he's just like, fuck it. Y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all aren't here. He tries to bring him, like, he tries to. He keeps saying, it's okay by me. It's okay with me. Yeah. So. And then him, like. I think the Wikipedia uses the adjective jaunty to describe him walking down the road at the end. And I've read that before the end, mm-hmm. and I was like, because I kind of knew what the movie was and how it mm-hmm. ended, so I was just reading through it while I was watching it, and it's like, jaunty? He like skips off down the road? There's no way. That'd be weird. And then I watched <laughs> it, I was like, nope, that's exactly what he does. <laughs> She's his friend, and he's just in Mexico playing that little harp. It's like, hey, <laughs> life is good. Is it, though? Figured that out. <laughs> Tiny harmonica. What a weird... <laughs> that scene was fucking bizarre. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not smoke. I can't play it. Hey, is this for me? Hey, okay, bye. What kind of asshole nurse would completely bandage a guy's face up and leave him with a har- tiny harmonica? Like his, yourself all this. his belongings are in the closet, I assume. And then, but there's like, here's this. Entertain yourself. Must not give a fuck either. The guy's in like, like he's got. Hospital garb on. He's like, "Aren't you supposed to be here?" It's like, "No, I'm the doctor." How's he doing? It's just like, "Fuck it." That's kind of the attitude of the movie. It's just the general, been, "Fuck it." I've been sick for three days. I'm fine. It's like, don't breathe into his mouth. Who cares? Weird. The interesting thing for me to uh, digging into this is everyone kind of behind the movie kind of went on to do crazier things. Robert Altman, he had already established a career and was a hot shot by this point. But it was also written by uh, Lee Brackett. You know what she wrote? Mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. What? Yeah. 
<laughs> Brett believes you not. I don't. And he original and she was uh, an early like female screenwriter that wrote the actual Big Sleep, the first. Uh, oh, nice. Philip Marlowe uh, adaptation. She wrote some like science fiction stuff too. She's kind of a, a trailblazer for some of that stuff. Cool. Oh, huh. yeah. She co wrote. So I, I was Lawrence Kasdan. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. She had she had the first pass, but there's a lot of her stuff they say that made it in there, especially dialogue. You know, if you like that in Empire Strikes Back. Fun. You go a little bit to Lee Brackett. Yeah. And cinematography by Vilmos Zygmunt, who you may know did Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Did some other... Uh, really well shot movie. Yeah. Won, won an Academy Award for that. Kind of uh, one of the influential cinematographers from this time period. Lee. But it's kind of uh, a... Yeah. It's a movie. It is a movie. <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy Ilya Gould's performance. He was kind of like he had fun with it. I know he had, yeah. before this he was kind of seen as a, you know, an asshole on set. He had had some issues, but uh, he's fun. Yep. Well, we watched a movie. Did we? Did you, how much did you like it in the end? Uh, probably give it. Honestly, I. Hmm, it might be one of those three star movies that I wouldn't put on a watch list which is kind of rare for me I didn't I never looked how many reviews does it have on Rotten Tomatoes because it was at 93% which seemed ridiculously high and also a lot of uh, what I would call name brand critics of the era loved it like uh, Roger Ebert Ebert gave it like three and a half Pauline Kale Pauline Kale liked it big one yeah Ebert named it one of his great movies. Yeah. He gave it that classification, which is yep. a big deal. Um, I think they liked I think it's a... Uh, yeah, I, I, I go two and a half, I think. I, I, I liked it. I, I didn't like it like as much as the critics did, but I think it's coming from a different place. I think it's more that it's it was re- sort of revolutionary in its time for being an anti-noir movie. Like a... Yeah. Uh, like a spoof of not not a spoof. It didn't have the same tone as a spoof, but like a sort of a tongue in cheek noir movie. And that's kind of Marlowe from what I've read. Oh, really? Um, that he's kind of the not. He's like somewhere in between, like Sam Spade and uh, Cousteau. Uh huh. Cousteau. Clu- Cluso. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, he's somewhere in between the famed oceanographer and <laughs> <laughs> Sam Spade. I was like, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess that's he does. But yeah, not not like I wouldn't call him bumbling, but right. also not like suave has everything figured out. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I can see how like I feel like we, our generation, we, we kind of have to search out noir movies. Like, we're not yeah. inundated with noirs at the... Uh, it's not dominant the way it was in, like, the 40s and 50s. Right, and it's not the the thing that everybody goes to see all the time in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I could see, then, the sort of... Well, I don't know about rejection of that, but, like, the spoofing of that, to an extent, being a really fresh, fun take on the noir movie. And it would have a different impact on the people who had just been, like I said, inundated with noir movies for so long. The de- the, the detective who talks to himself movies. Right. And so, 
maybe it just doesn't have that same effect on me because I don't have, I don't feel like I'm exhausted by those types of movies. Sure. Because um, this movie is definitely a reaction. Yes. As I feel like a lot of Altman is. Yeah, I'd say that. Altman is definitely sort of always loves to poke, loves to uh, bite the hand that feeds. That yeah. is one takeaway from Robert Altman. Loves to make fun of Hollywood in yeah. lots lots of movies. And things and institutions that take themselves seriously, like Hollywood or like detective stories. Fashion. Marty's very serious fashion. Mm-hmm. All kinds of stuff. Country music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, rich, rich British people. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, like, I feel like his, his main goal is always just that message. And plot is secondary, so sometimes it works. And, like, player. And I'm guessing Nashville works. And I'm guessing Gosford Park works. Mm-hmm. But then other times it doesn't, like Preda Porter. Because yeah. he he is wanting to make fun of the fashion world. He just has, does not have an interesting story yeah. to tell with it. So, Well, cool. We ready to draft this bitch up? Yep. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to draft detective teams. So, mystery of your choosing, or just generic mystery, happens, and we want a team of detectives inspired by the uh, interesting detective take by Elliot Gould. Uh, some other fictional detectives in um, uh, movies, TV, games, if you guys found it. Um, and kind of have a little team to, to investigate your mystery. Randomize. I swear, I'll do the random thing. And I go first, and everybody's like, oh, choose go first. Then I go third, and everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I never do the first thing. <laughs> I've never been upset that you go first. <laughs> I don't think anyone's done either. No, I mean, it's always a joke, obviously, because I don't think anybody actually cares about these traps. Random.org checks out. <laughs> okay, with the first pick in the detective draft, um, I'm going with someone who I feel like they have... A particular set of skills that will be hard to replicate among other people on my list. And uh, they may not be the head of the team in the end, but I think they could be the most valuable because I think they could appeal to certain demographics that other people on the team might ultimately not be able to. Uh, They also happen to be a great detective on their own. Solved, uh, I guess, three, maybe four big mysteries by this point. I know who it is. And, uh, yeah, as long as, uh, as long as a good-looking kid like Logan isn't around to ruin things, then, uh, I really trust her with just about anything, and that's Veronica Mars. Nice. Veronica Mars is, uh, one of my favorite TV characters. Um, Keith Mars would be an excellent choice as well for this, but, uh, I'm going with Veronica. I need somebody to talk to the teens. To talk to the kids. Sure. So that's my first pick. I've only seen the... uh, You're going to input mine, like, each team? Yeah. Okay. I've only seen the movie. (laughs) Veronica Mars. Oh, man. Well, that is unfortunate, because it's probably the weakest story. I don't know, maybe season three. But uh, it's so reliant on callbacks to the show, the movie is. Mm -hmm. I recommend going back and watching it. Those first two seasons are great. No, it's actually not. Oh, that's it's, a shame. It's not on Hulu or anything. It would be classic for the kids of today. Catch up yeah. with it on It's a horrible Netflix segue, but I'm excited to watch The Lost Room at some point on Tubi TV. 
That miniseries? Yeah. Me and Brennan talk about it for oh, years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw it last night as I was signing in to watch The Long Goodbye. I uh-huh. saw The Lost Room was on TV, and I just excitedly sent TJ a message. I was like, The Lost Room's on TV. We spent one night like trying to figure out what the fuck that was. I was yeah. like, you remember this miniseries? There's, like, objects <laughs> in yeah. a room, and the yeah. room moves. I remember, I remember the, the payoff wasn't that great, but no. the whole mystery was <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. All right, David. I'm going to go obvious, kind of go chalk here. I'm going to go Sherlock Holmes. One of the most famous detectives of all time. Uh, and I'm going to go... Uh, we talked about kind of what iteration you're going to do. Um, I'm going to keep Basil Rathbone on the board. <laughs> I'm going to go I'm gonna go Benedict Cumberbatch version. Yeah. Because he's kind of the modern version, so he knows how to do technology. I was going to say, he can email. Girls. He knows how to dial up. <laughs> yep. He, he can do that kind of stuff, so... Um, all right, but yeah, Sherlock Holmes. Not too much to say. You guys know he's he's a he's a smarty pants. He can figure stuff out. He's working on eleven things at the same time. Um, especially the uh, BBC recent version does a great job of uh, showing his kind of thought process and also you know I have to balance out his personality with other people on the team, but how it makes him drawn in and kind of can't connect with people, almost a spectrum kind of person. But uh, he'd be really valuable to kind of figure crap out. So Sherlock Holmes, non-controversial pick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up with a second non-controversial pick, and I'll probably go. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the characters. Almost always played the exact same because it's hard to change a character like this. They haven't done anything like they did with Sherlock on you know the new series on BBC, but. But I'm going to go with uh, Hercule Poirot, who is, you know, I feel like a close second probably for the greatest detective of all time. Yep. Um, very methodical and deliberate and doesn't, like, rush into things. Uh, really, really fun Agatha Christie character. And uh, I've got another pick. I'm going to follow it up with a super irrational person who jumps into everything <laughs> real quickly. Um <laughs> But has a photographic memory, and I think that would come in handy. I'm going to go with uh, Sean Spicer from Psyched. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've never seen Psyched. I had him on my short list. Psyched is, first off, the show is, off like, fucking hilarious. It was really funny. Like, really deep, quippy jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, pop culture references that, that are real fun. And he's a, he's a great detective. But he's got a photographic memory and, like, very keen sight. Bordering on kind of superpowers. That's the the joke of the show is that he tells everybody he's psychic. Everybody thinks he's psychic, but he's not. He's just <laughs> really smart, super perceptive, and has a photographic memory. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's a fun pick. Um, for my second pick, I'm gonna go crazy. I'm gonna go a cartoon. I got uh, Sherlock Holmes there. I'm gonna have another person. Very intelligent, very methodical. Darkwing Duck. Kind of used to keeping a uh, kind of loony group together and not uh, being too dominant or anything. Kind of fading into the background and handling parts of the mystery. I'm going to go Velma from Scooby-Doo. She would have been my pick from Scooby-Doo. She was the best member of the Yeah, even growing up, Velma was my favorite. As, you know, a kid with glasses who was kind of a nerd. He's kind of on that team with a bunch of, like, uh, models and shaggy. <laughs> I feel like most people just gravitate towards the one they look most like. So that's why we're like, yay, Velma! Yeah. I was going to say, all of us liked Velma. Yeah. So Maybe I like the dog. <laughs> she, obviously, 
She obviously has a lot of patience to deal with the uh, the mystery crew. Um, also, like, by far smarter than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the mystery crew is filled with idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't need credit because she never gets credit <laughs> kind of for uh, for her role in it. But she's, she's smart and she's uh, methodical and... Uh, you know, she's on my team. I'm played by uh, Cardellini, right? In the live yeah, action. In the live action. Yeah. All right, me. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going with a methodical person here. Uh, something just so cool about this detective. He uh, has has hobbies which are sort of eccentric. He likes building tiny furniture, and. Uh, he also helped orchestrate the takedown of uh, the uh, the Barksdale drug ring, drug ring, which uh, was very impressive. I'm taking Lester Freeman from The Wire, nice. Which is, uh, I think, most people who watch the first season of The Wire, I think Lester is their favorite policeman mm-hmm. on the show, just because he's less flawed than so many of the policemen on that show. He's also a fun discovery. You think he's just like police that's just like there crafting his little furniture. He eventually just gets interested and you realize how brilliant he is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a fun discovery in that first season. Yeah. Lester's definitely who I want putting together the mystery in the office. Maybe he's not the best for field work, but uh, he's he's the brains. He may not be the brawn. Which means I'm going to need some brawn. So with my third pick... Mm. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Veronica can help control this, this pit bull a bit, and that Lester's intelligence can help a little bit as well. But for just sheer scare factor and a, like I said, a hammer on my force, I'm going with Dirty Harry Callahan. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might be going up. So, sometimes you need action. What's his name? Brian Mills from Taken. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. You started your first pick with a certain set of skills. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh man. It's going to beat everybody's ass. <laughs> so yeah. Sometimes sometimes you just need the uh, the detective who's who's willing to chase somebody through the streets. And shoot them in the head. <laughs> and he will do that, yeah. yeah. Speaking of chase through the streets, I'm going to go with my next pick. Um, uh, detective who has a lot of uh, experience with chases and is kind of my physical force. I'm going uh, Popeye Doyle from French Connection. Um, He's a guy who gets stuff done, knows how to actually... I kind of need a... uh, I was figuring my amateur people could pair with an actual... uh, someone on the force, knows how things work, has access to things, and also busts heads and thinks about it later. That's kind of Popeye Doyle. And he's got a fun hat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it would just be nice to see Gene Hackman in action We don't see anymore. I don't think any of these other uh, draft picks Have had a restaurant chain named after them That's true so. Yeah Good pick of Doyle's chicken Yeah Doyle's <laughs> Doyle's fish fry uh, I don't know I'm struggling with my final two picks here Yeah um, Yeah I'm going to take a couple of wild cards though But I feel like when put in an insane situation, they've they figured it out. They've they've come around and uh, succeeded. Both these characters, though, man, I've got Hercule Perot's got his work cut out for him with my team. 
Uh, I'm going to take Del Cooper from Twin Peaks. Ah. Oh, nice. Mine. Yeah. Um, nothing's going to surprise him, I feel like, anymore. Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> He's, uh... Are you taking Del Cooper from the first couple of seasons of Twin Peaks? Hopefully? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to keep us cool. Um, I would hope so, because my next pick is really <laughs> is not going to keep us cool ever. He is extremely obsessive over any case at all. Uh, and only known for one case, really. Um, but pretty much quit being a detective uh, to solve this case over the span of a decade or so. I'm going to take crazy-ass Russ Cole. Uh, from True Detective season one, I had him on my short list. Yeah. He was my next uh, next in line. Yeah. So Russ Cole's great pick. Yeah. Yeah. If the uh, you need if s- the investigation goes down like a metaphysical route, he's <laughs> not gonna bat an eyelash at that. I was gonna say sometimes you just need someone to think outside the box, and I don't think there's anyone who can who has less of a grasp on what the box is than <laughs> Russ Cole. <laughs> the box is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> Trust. Yeah, just I feel so bad for Hercule Perot having to deal with like Sean Spencer. I think I called him Sean Spicer. <laughs> yep, you did. The first I, round. You did earlier. I was like, where do I know that name from? <laughs> detective Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer would suck ass at a detective team. Especially the Melissa McCarthy version with the little yeah. traveling desk. Maybe <laughs> she got a magnifying glass in there. It's angry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but Rico Perot having to round up Russ Cole, Dale Cooper, and Sean Spencer. It's a, it's a tall order. It is. But they'd be drinking a lot of good coffee and eating some good pie, <laughs> thanks to Dale Cooper. Yep. So my my next pick, uh, I guess my last pick, uh, I feel like we're going to leave a lot of good people on the board. But uh, oh. in coming up with my team, I got uh, kind of leadership and some... Uh, the methodical nature of Sherlock Holmes. I got Velma kind of doing uh, all the work, all the smart work no one wants to do. Popeye Dole busting heads. So I want uh, a little uh, light touch here. Maybe someone who doesn't take things too seriously. Miss Marple? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about getting Russ Cole and Miss Marple. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Marple has to go to the uh, convenience store to buy. Uh, Lone, Star. Lone Star beer. Filterless cigarettes. <laughs> uh, so this person is going to say things like, uh, name of your sex tape, and not think, take things too seriously, have some practical jokes. I'm going Detective Jake Peralta from Brooklyn no, no. Nine-Nine. Uh, kind of to balance out the uh, the moody or drawn-in nature of most of my people, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be basically my liaison to talk to them. <laughs> he's also he's a good detective. He's, he's also a very the, good detective. Who's the rest of your team? Uh, Sherlock Holmes, Velma, and uh, Popeye Doyle. Oh, Popeye will murder Jake Peralta immediately. <laughs> he will. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be bad. Well, we'll they'll solve the new mystery like then. Jake, Jake Peralta would be like the Popeye's biggest fan, though. Yeah, like, I read all your fiction, like True. fan fiction. True. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Miss Marple. <laughs> my fourth is. Uh, <laughs> My fourth detective is uh, just going to be somebody who's uh, useful. He's a good detective. He's also willing to go undercover and willing to do just pretty much anything to uh, to get to the bottom of something. And uh, has a way of talking to, I feel like, you know, 
the the street folks who need to be uh, chatted up and whatnot. So you got the youths and the street folk taking care of. That's it. right. And uh, this is going to be a little more obscure, but it's Detective Stephen Holder from The Killing. Oh, yeah. Um, played by never seen The Killing, but I've heard good oh, things. What's that guy's name? Uh, he's really good. Uh, Joel Kinnaman. Joel Kinnaman in that movie yeah. or in that TV show is. Uh, He's he's really good in the role. I mm-hmm. think he's uh, I think he's sort of the 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 best character in the series, and uh, he'd be he'd be mighty useful, I think, on this detective team. When when Dirty Harry's uh, you know his first punishing violence doesn't work. Blow everyone on the streets head off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe you can have Holder kind of talk to them instead. Right. Um. So I have a do you, how many how many folks you got left? I could probably do two more. Yeah, I could do more. Uh, I say let's just do let's let's keep going bonus round until someone calls it. <laughs> okay. Want to do that? Sure. I mean, oh, yeah, sure. Okay. All right. With my next pick, this is one that uh, it's not a detective by name, but he does spend the bulk of this. This movie is a detective movie in that. Uh, he is an agent for the government who is tasked with uncovering the mystery behind a crime. And the way he methodically puts it all together, really enjoyable to me. He's a very quiet person. Vito. Just kidding. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's George Smiley from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I would call him a detective in that, in that film. Yep, he's detecting. Yeah. It's about a crime that occurred. He's putting it all together. Talk about methodical, too. Yeah. So we've got <laughs> George Smiley and Dirty Harry teaming up at last. All right, for my kind of bonus pick, um, I wasn't going to take this guy the main rounds because he's a little limited physically, but he's got a great mind. Uh, there's a decent movie, but I actually really like the uh, the books that I read. Not to bring books into a... I know this is a big thing. <laughs> Lincoln Rhyme from the Bone Collector. Oh, nice! Played by Denzel Washington. Yeah. Um, he's uh, he's going to be my like uh, kind of crime scene guy. Everyone figures stuff out, takes things back to him. And he's got that cool like um, uh, technology where he can kind of manipulate clues. And he's a good uh, kind of balancing force, and no one's going to say shit to Denzel, not even Popeye Doyle, I feel like. (laughs) Even though he's, uh, I forgot, he's um, a quadriplegic, I believe, Mm -hmm. in that. But uh, interesting character, and, uh, you know, they're kind of trashy books, but the books are really fun, kind of go into more of his character. I liked that movie, too. I know it didn't get great reviews at the time. It was sort of a a thriller by numbers at the time, but I always really liked it. I like doing bonus rounds because then I would have, I wouldn't have gone into that guy. Yeah. DJ. Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, yeah, I think this guy. It's hard with this. He's not a detective. He's actually a federal agent, but he definitely has to solve crimes, especially in the books. The movies have turned him into more of an action star, but not if you go. Um, really with like Hunt for Red October version hmm. of Jack Ryan. Hmm. I think. Okay. Right. I mean, we could have stopped with y'all's two weirdo picks. <laughs> I'm letting y'all have fun. You're giving me Jack Ryan. 
Sure, yeah, books, he's more of the, uh, you know, it's a running thing, like, he's he's an analyst, what is he doing? Yeah, no, I mean, and then, like, yeah, but again, it ain't Reedy Reed. But, and he, is, uh, he is putting together, yeah, difficult. He's trying to... <laughs> trying to, yeah. Yeah, uh, I like it. Yeah. yeah. I like it, too. It's a fun pick. Uh, I guess I need to make one more, don't I? Yeah. If you want to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about taking this guy earlier with my weird Jack Ryan pick, but um, I feel like with my team of like OCD Hercule Poirot <laughs> and lying Sean Spencer, not Sean Spicer, <laughs> and uh, my other two kind of wild cards, especially Russ Cole, he's going to need a psychologist there to keep him in check. I'm going to take Alex Cross, who oh. is a psychiatrist, or psychologist rather, and might be able to reel in the insane detective crew I've put together. Yeah. I like Alex Krells. Yeah. 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 Again, Good I pick. think a better detective in the books. <laughs> that, that makes sense with what detectives do. Yeah. It's easier to write about than cram into a 90 minute movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. So with my next pick, I'm going to finally go wild card. I kind of, kind of uh, I got my one physical bruiser, then a bunch of uh, laid back guys. This guy is kind of on his own wavelength, uh, really weird book and movie, but he's definitely a detective. I don't know that he is very successful at it, but he's going to be my vibe guy on the streets, talking to everybody. I'm going uh, Doc Sportello from Inherent Vice. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I really like that book, and yeah. the movie is a, uh, man, is it a, a puzzler the first time you watch it. Yeah. But it's a, it's a pretty rewarding movie, and uh, yeah, he's kind of clued into a bunch of stuff. Everybody kind of likes him, so he's going to ingratiate me to the uh, our team, to the community. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bunch of weirdos and, and psycho. Uh, I'm going Doc Sportello. He's just kind of fun. Yeah, I like it. Well, with the last pick, uh, <laughs> I have two choices. One is an actual detective who would be helpful, and another is a completely nonsense pick. <laughs> Um, Go with helpful, but fill us in on the... Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That, I'm going with a, another useful detective. He doesn't really bring anything new to the team other than just... He's kind of a balance of everything that I've already drafted. And uh, I feel like he could help bridge a lot of extreme personalities together. Uh, just a cool detective, too, that I, I really love. And that's uh, Luther from Luther. Oh, yeah. Idris Elba. Hopefully Lester Freeman wouldn't get him too easily confused with Stringer Bell and <laughs> try to incarcerate him. But uh, that would be that would be awkward. You look you look just like this uh, mastermind. I was obsessed with the scaffold. for a while. Yeah. So Lester would probably tap his phones just to be safe, but uh, you know it's it's can't hurt. No. <laughs> All right, we're calling it. That's the draft? That's the draft. That's the draft. Okay, I'll do a review of the teams, and then we'll see uh, if anyone mentions anyone that was left on the board. Yeah, I think actually when I said <laughs> Jack Ryan too, I was said Hunt for October because he's less actioning, but it's the one where there's no detective work out of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, Some of All Fears has the most detective work, I think, out of the uh, yeah, yeah. movies. But here are the teams. Brent, your uh, team is going to be Veronica Mars, Lester Freeman, Dirty Harry Callahan. Uh, Stephen Holder, George Smiley, and Luther. Man, it's like a list of detectives that TJ just needs to see. 
uh, for the first time. <laughs> and TJ, your uh, your team is uh, Hercule Poirot. Uh, Sean Spencer, uh, Dale Cooper, Rustin Cole, uh, Jack Ryan, and Alex Cross. Uh, and my team is going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they they are batshit. <laughs> my team is going to be Sherlock Holmes, Velma Dinkley. I didn't know her last name was Dinkley. I didn't know that either. Sherlock Holmes, Velma Dinkley, uh, Popeye Doyle, Jake Peralta, Lincoln Rhyme, and Doc Sportello. Nice. Anyone else you guys considered want to mention? Who's your crazy pick? Well, I had a couple more on the list that uh, I thought I'd mention. One is uh, Alec Hardy from Broadchurch. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. I really liked him in that show. I was going to pick Mela as the detective, but then uh, I realized that... <laughs> spoilers. Uh, Miller was sleeping with uh, the killer <laughs> right. all season. I'm like, maybe she's not that good at detecting Yeah, <laughs> But... Uh, also, I feel like it should just be mentioned that Batman is a is yeah. a great detective. Yeah, we talked just for everyone. He's like, he's the world's greatest detective. That's like a superpower. He tried to do people without people who aren't superheroes are people who didn't have superpowers. Yeah, that's why I ended up like. Well, I brought up Rorschach in the show notes meeting, so kept him out. And honestly, I, I thought about drafting Brian Mills. I think his name is Brian Mills a few times from Taken. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I just it felt weird because it's like I don't know. He, He's, seen, he's pretty much Batman, <laughs> just without the suit. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to uh, a guy who's sort of uh, retired from the the uh, detecting world. He was an amateur detective as a child, uh, and he and his uh, he and his brother, which is actually his sister, solved the case of the missing retainer. The Mosby boys, Ted Mosby. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Well, I had a couple people that just had uh, some um, question marks around him. I was going to do Jessica Fletcher about uh, uh, murder she wrote, but yeah. I feel like uh, if I have her on my team, members would just get murdered. Yeah. Murdered yeah. follows her. The Cabot Cove. I love the, like... like population 600. Someone dies yeah. there every week. Murder the, is 50%. <laughs> the, like, theory, the... That she is just a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> Blacks out. Yeah. She kills people and then has to solve it. Yeah. Now, for the same reason, Dexter Morgan, I can't really have a, uh, a good serial killer on my team. I don't I don't <coughs> think to just, like, start killing criminals for just, like, stealing yeah. a retainer. <laughs> <laughs> retainer. I felt like Adrian Monk was kind of redundant on my team, but he's a, a famous detective. Yeah. Um, Dick Tracy, just real old-timey, I guess, for a bruiser. You could do that. Other than that, he's, like, pretty, you know, I feel like generations have passed him by. Um, <laughs> I also thought this one was, was fun. Um, Ghost Rider. <laughs> the show Ghost Rider. If, um, if we're in a jam, we would love just Ghost Rider just to write a clue for us. So I was like, oh, okay. We'll take it from here, Ghost Rider. <laughs> I loved Ghost Rider. I loved him too. too. Yeah, almost. He was almost my last pick. Um, Sam Spade never came up either. It was a good one. Yep, I had him on a, on a short list, but uh, Columbo, Columbo, Magnum. Yeah, more the old seventy, like uh, Rockford. Yeah. Rockford. I just I don't have any experience with. Those I don't either. Really, to say one way or the other. And I will say, we always tend to we try to like cross off a series or a film you know a set of characters whenever we do these drafts so we're not drafting like 
everybody from the Scooby-Doo gang or whatever. Right. Um, but Watson is a great fictional detective in his own right, mm-hmm. I think, in the Sherlock Holmes series. Mm-hmm. But I kind of crossed him off when Sherlock was picked, and I wouldn't pick him ahead of Sherlock anyway. Right. But deserves mention. If you're listening, John Watson. <laughs> we respect you. Keep on keeping on. Well, cool. That's fun. Yeah, maybe time for a Facebook poll. We haven't done one in a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. We could do that. Yeah, we could post that. Detective teams. Mm-hmm. Who's doing homework? Oh, me. I'm ready as long as it's straight. Let me see if it is. Is it away we go? It is away we go. I think it is streaming. I think it's streaming. It's on it was a couple weeks ago. I just want to double check. Mm-hmm. I've made that mistake one time and I will never make it again. Assigning homework that is <laughs> unwatchable. Yeah. Unwatchable. <laughs> this film. This film. It's on HBO. Um, HBO. So yeah, it's uh, streamed on HBO Go. And uh, it's a 2009 movie. It's definitely like top five for me this century so far. Hmm. Um, love romantic comedies. This is a great one. It's a cast that I like, but I think the performances from the two of them, they're all really good. Uh, the supporting cast is absolutely incredible. Uh, been wanting y'all to watch this movie for a long time. I don't think either one of y'all have seen it. I think Chris did. I've seen it. you seen I it? I own it. Oh, okay, yeah. I do too, actually, I think. But, um... Yeah, Sam Mendes, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah, the director who directed American Beauty. Uh, it's going to be a talk of fame. Nom. Away we go. 2009, starring John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. Yeah, kind of timely, because this is the year of John Krasinski, right? Yeah. Black Place yeah. directed it, and he's just in Jack uh, Jack Ryan for Amazon. Yeah, I want to see how that... It's getting kind of shaky reviews. I'm, I'm still very excited to watch it, but... It's... Yeah. You started it? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, Ooh. Away We Go is on HBO. We'll have a talk of fame next week. All right. Well, that sounds good, and hope we sounded good. This has been Talky Talk, the podcast for the TheMediaBias.com. You can uh, check out our site at the previously mentioned TheMediaBias.com. Join our Facebook groups at Games By Us, TV By Us, Movies By Us. Facebook. And uh, you can uh, interact with us via email at TheMediaBias at gmail.com or Twitter at the media bus. Tweet, 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 tweet. Yeah, please give us a rating on your podcatching application of choice, and also subscribe to the podcast. It'd mean a lot to us. And last but not least, we want to thank the Willow Walkers for our intro music. And we want to thank Burifa for playing us out. Play yeah. us out, Burifa. Play us You're hearing out. them right now. We keep them in the corner, and they just do it on command every time. Burifa, play. <laughs> Bye, guys. Um. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know